0: Bimina. You might have a lot of questions, alright? And it's good, keep thinking. But, you see, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Alright? You put one piece and you wonder what's gonna go here and what about here and what about there. Alright? Start putting in the pieces and then by the time we complete the study of this book, inshallah, everything will fall in place. Okay? Inshallah. As-salati bi mina. Prayer at mina. Now, since the previous hadith was about Hajj, Imam Bukhari is further clarifying about shortening the prayer during Hajj. Okay, because of course, at Hajj you will go to minna. So, during the three days in Mina, what do you do? You shorten the prayer. What's the proof of that? حدّثنا مسددٌ قال حدّثنا yahya عن عبيد الله قال أخبرني نافع عن عبد الله Which Abdullah anhu is this? Look at the names. قَالَ أَخْبَرَنِي نَافِعٌ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Abdullah bin Umar. How? Of course, even Ibn Abbas and Ibn Mas'ud would be رضي الله عنه. Because who is narrating the hadith from Abdullah? Nafir. And Nafir was the freed slave of Abdullah bin Umar رضي الله عنه. And Imam Nafir, he was very skilled in the sense that he could make lots of things and do lots of things. But Abdullah bin Umar recognized his ability to learn. And it is said that Abdullah bin Umar actually chained him up, like locked him up. That you can't do anything, go anywhere, you just sit and study. You just sit and study. You just sit and learn. And he became the teacher of Imam Malik. Imam Malik is a student of Nafir. And Nafir is a student of Abdullah ibn Umar anhu. And in fact, when you have these three narrators, where the hadith is coming from Abdullah ibn Umar, to Nafir, to Imam Malik, this is known as a the dhahabiyya. The golden chain. The golden chain of narrators. Why is it called the golden chain of narrators? What does gold mean? It's precious, right? It's too valuable. And the reason why this chain was given so much importance was because it was over a very long period of time, over a very long period of time that you had only three narrators. Because usually if it's over a hundred years, then you would need at least four or five narrators. But this is a very long period of time and you have only Three narrators. Anyway, Abdullah bin Umar anhu he said, قَالَ صَلَّيْتُ مَعَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِمِنًا He said, I performed two raka'ah with the Prophet sallam where? At Mina. So during hajj. وَأَبِي Bakrin. And also with Abu Bakr. Meaning when Abu Bakr was the Khalifa, and I went for hajj with him, at Mina, Abu Bakr led how many rakah? Two, meaning he shortened the prayer. Wa Umarah, and also Umar. After Abu Bakr, when Umar became the Khalifa, same thing. Umar led the people in two raqqa. Why? Because he was shortening the prayer. Wa Ma' and also with Usman radiallahu anhu. But when? Sadran min Imaratihi, at the beginning of his leadership. Summa atamaha. Then later he would complete it. So what do we see over here? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu, Umar radhiyallahu anhu at Mina. What did they do? Shorten the prayer. Uthman radhiyallahu anhu when he became the Khalifa at the beginning of his Khilafa. What would he do? Shorten the prayer. However, later on in his Khilafa. He would perform the full prayer At minna also Now you might wonder What's going on here Right What's going on here Usman رضي anhu, When he performed The full prayer at minna, This was not because he Was opposing the sunnah Of the Prophet sallallahu الله عليه وسلم. This is not because he's opposing the sunnah He did this because of his ta'wil Because of his understanding Now what exactly he understood How exactly he understood Allahu there, A'lam There are some explanations But this was the action of Uthman radiallahu anhu And we learn that When Uthman radiallahu anhu Did shorten the prayer There were companions Who disapproved of it As we will see later They disapproved of it because they said, and Ibn Umar is saying over here, that the Prophet ﷺ shortened the prayer, Abu Bakr shortened the prayer, Umar shortened the prayer, and then Uthman also used to shorten the prayer, رضي الله مجمعين, but later on he would complete it. Right? We learned that when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه heard about this, he said, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ and he said something else also, which inshallah we will learn about. But the point is the point is the reason why this hadith is mentioned is because the Prophet, ﷺ, what was his way? That he would shorten the prayer at minna. Okay? More clarification will come. Just hold on, okay, inshallah. It it will get clear. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة أَنْبَأَنَا أبو إسحاق قال سمعت حارثة ابن قال صلى بِنَا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم آمن ما كان ركعتين. The Hadith is that Haritha ibn وهب he reported that صلى he prayed who prayed بِ with us عليه وسلم. the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed with us. In what state? In what condition? Amana. In a state of security. There was no danger. kana bi As long as he was at Mina. And how much did he pray? رَقَعَتَيْن Just two rak'ah. He shortened the prayer at Mina while he was in a state of security. Where is that coming from? Why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this? By the way, this is of course at Hajjatul Wada, the farewell pilgrimage, because that's the reason why the Prophet ﷺ would be at Mina. Now, the reason why peace is mentioned, security is mentioned, is to clarify that Salatul Qasr is to be prayed in a situation of fear and safety. You shorten the prayer regardless of Whether you are in a state of security or you are in a state of danger. Because shortening the prayer is related to travel. Alright? The reason why you would shorten the prayer is because you are, you are traveling. Not because you are in danger. Alright? It has got nothing to do with being in danger. But, I mean, why is this being mentioned? Because in the Quran, shortening the prayer, is that mentioned? Is it mentioned? Where is it mentioned? Anybody know the ayah? Yes. I want you to be able to recall the verses. Okay. Especially those who have studied the meaning of the Quran or memorized the Quran. Go ahead. Surah Nisa, ayah 101. Excellent. Read the ayah. What is the translation of this ayah? Would anybody like to translate the ayah? I can do it, but I want you to do it. You can open the verse of course, and then try to translate, I will help you. When you travel then there's no sin upon you if you shorten your prayers, if you fear that the disbelievers will put you in fitna. Um, indeed the disbelievers are an enemy for you. Barakallahu fiki. When you travel in the land, when you're traveling, junahun, then there is no sin upon you. And tak mina salah that you shorten the prayer in khiftum if you are afraid kafaroo that those who deny will put you in some fitna meaning they will attack you they will harm you so in that state there's no harm if you shorten the prayer okay so what happened umar bin khattab اللَّهُ anhu He was asked about this verse. Somebody came to him and he asked him that Allah says that there's no blame on you if you shorten the prayer if you are afraid that the deniers will harm you. So this man asked Umar radhullahu anhu that we are no longer in danger. When the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would travel outside of Medina, there was always this fear that the mushrikeen are going to attack. Isn't it? Because they would have their spies, they would have their people around and they were just always on the lookout waiting for some Muslims to be, you know, there so that they could attack them. Right? So he asked that we are no longer in that state of fear. We can travel safely. So why should we shorten the prayer? Umar who said that I wondered the same thing. So I asked the Prophet about it. And he said that صَدَقَةٌ تَصَدَّقَ اللَّهُ biha عَلَيْكُمْ That this is a charity that Allah has bestowed upon you. Meaning this is a concession that Allah has given you. So take it. So take it. What this means is that yes, there was a time when Muslims traveled, they were afraid, they were in danger. Alright? And yes, now they are safe. But regardless, back then and even now, shortening the prayer is a concession from Allah. Correct? So when it's a concession from Allah, a gift from Allah, then Allah wants you to take it. This is a hadith from At-Tirmidhi. There is another narration in which somebody asked Ibn Umar about the same thing. The Quran says this, so... Why are we shortening the prayer when we are at peace? When there's no risk, there's no danger, no threat. So Ibn Umar Abdullah said, O oh son of my brother, verily the Prophet ﷺ came to us when we were misguided. So he taught us. And among what he taught us was that Allah has ordered us to pray two rak'ah while traveling. How did Ibn Umar explain this? This is what the Prophet ﷺ told us to do. So remember this one important rule, which is that anything that we follow in our religion, we have to look at what the Quran says and we also have to look at what the Prophet did. If we limit ourselves to just one text or one proof or one statement, all right, that is going to give us an incomplete understanding. Alright? So when you look at the text of the Qur'an and you look at the different ahadith, what do you learn? That shortening the prayer is because of travel, not because of danger, threat, or anything like that. Okay? Is this point clear? حَدَّثَنَا قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْوَاحِدْ عَنِ الْأَعْمَشِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا Ibrahim, قَالَ سَمِعْتُ عَبْدَ Rahman يَزِيدَ يَقُولُ صلى بنا عثمان بن عفان رضي الله عنه بمنن اربع ركعات فقيل ذلك لعبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه فاسترجع ثم قال صليت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بمنن ركعتين وصليت مع ابي بكر رضي الله عنه بمنن ركعتين وصليت مع عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه بمنن ركعتين مِنْ أَرْبَعِ رَكَعَاتٍ رَكْعَتَانِ مُتَقَبَّلَتَانِ When I read the Arabic text, I want you to follow along. Okay? Don't look here and there. Look at the text, follow along with either your pencil or your finger. Because part of developing fluency in reading is also listening. Alright? When you listen, then you become more fluent in your reading. What do we see in this hadith? Abdul Rahman bin Yazid is saying that, Salla bina Uthman ibn Affan. Uthman اللَّهُ anhu, this is the third khalifa, he prayed with us, biminan at Mina, arbaa رَكَعَاتِ four raka'at. At Mina, he prayed how many? Four. He led people in prayer, four. Instead of? Instead of? Two. Right? Because technically from the previous hadith, what do we learn? That the Prophet sallallahu would shorten the prayer. Alright? So Uthman radiAllahu anhu did not shorten the prayer. So, فَقِيلَ ذَلِكَ لِعَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ مَسْعُودٍ radiAllahu anhu. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was informed about this. Typical. Right? Somebody does something and then all of a sudden everybody's talking about it. And they go to people of knowledge and they say, did you hear? Did you know? He did this, he said this, so-and-so scholar said this, right? And usually what happens, it's taken out of context, right? But anyway, what happened over here, people came to Abdullah bin Mas'ud and they also told him, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, what is his reaction? Fastarja'a. What does that mean? Think, think, good, good. Istarja'a. Rujur is to return, okay? Rujur is to return but there is a statement in which we mention rujur to Allah a statement that we say when we experience some loss or some sadness go ahead Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un All right to say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un is to istirja All right istirja is to say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. This is similar to, Hallala. What does Hallala mean? Tahliil. What does Tahliil mean? To say, La ilaha illallah. Tasbih. What does Tasbih mean? To say, Subhanallah. Ta'hamid. What does tahmeed mean? To say, Alhamdulillah. So istirja is to say. Inna lillahi wa inna إِلَيْهِ Isn't Arabic beautiful? Isn't it? So easy. Anyway, fa He said Inna lillahi wa inna رَاجِعُونَ Summa qala. then he said, sallaytu رَسُولِ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa وَسَلَّمَ I performed 2 raqa with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa at Mina. Wa مَعَ Abi anhu And I prayed 2 raqa with Abu Bakr at Mina. وَصَلَّيْتُ مَعْ أُمَرَ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ بِمِنًا رَكَّعَتَيْنِ And I performed two at mina with Umar ibn Khattab. This is what the previous Khalifas did. This is what the Prophet ﷺ did. فَلَيْتَ So I wish, حَضِّي That my share من أربع رَكَعَات From these four raka'at Would be how much? Rakatān, only two raqah that are that are accepted what is he saying? that I wish that only two of the four رَكْعَةً I performed are accepted because what did he do at this point? when Uthman رضي and who is leading the prayer now and if Ibn Mas'ud is praying behind him and he's praying four رَكْعَةً what is Ibn Mas'ud wishing for? that only two are written why is he saying that? Because he wants to do what the Prophet ﷺ did. That's what he wants. However, the leader is doing something different. He's leading the people in four. Alright? So Ibn Mas'ud رضي Anhu, he is praying behind the leader, but at the same time he's wishing that his action would be according to the sunnah. Now there's very important things we learn from this hadith very important things can you think of something other than salatu taqsir following the leader even if you disagree even if you are sad about it you can see that how Ibn mas'ud radhiyallahu anhu is sad about this he said inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi but at the same time he's following the leader even though he disagrees with him okay what else does this teach us yes that when it comes to prayer You follow the imam. And if the imam, let's say if the imam is making a mistake and you tell him, right? Men say, subhanallah, a woman will clap from way behind. And the imam doesn't get it. You're not going to stop following the imam. Okay? You're going to follow the imam. What does this teach us? The importance of? The importance of unity despite differences. The importance of staying together Despite disagreements, you see, Uthman, Rabbul who at the beginning he performed two, later he's performing four. What happened? His understanding changed. It evolved. Does that happen with people over time? Does that happen? It happens. You listen to a lecture. The sheikh is saying one thing today, right? And he's backing his statement with proofs. After several years, he's saying something different and he's backing it with proofs. Over there, you can't say, this person is always changing. No, they're growing. With their knowledge, with their experience, their thought is evolving. And even if you disagree with them, that doesn't mean that you divide. You cause division over there. Because you see, Ibn Mas'ud, he differed, yet he did not separate himself. He didn't say, I'm not praying behind Uthman, I'm going to pray my own salah. He didn't say, I'm not going to pray behind Uthman, I'm going to start my own jama'ah. No, he didn't do that. He just wished, later حَظِّي مِنْ أَرْبَعِ رَكَعَاتٍ رَكَعَتَانْ وَتَقَبَّلَتَانْ mutaqabbalatan Yes. Yes, very true. And this is also very important that even though Ibn Mas'ud is disagreeing with Uthman radiallahu anhu, clear disagreement, but he is not speaking against Uthman radiallahu anhu. Right? He's not creating a problem, division, no. However, he is clarifying the matter according to his knowledge. Because that is the responsibility of the people of knowledge. Because when he is asked about it, when people are coming to him, talking to him about this issue, he's not pretending like nothing happened. No. He is acknowledging that, yes, something happened, and yes, this contradicts the sunnah, and this is what I wish. He clarified the matter without causing any division. In fact, we learned that Ibn Mas'ud was asked that how come you criticized Uthman ibn who, in the sense that you differed with him yet you performed the prayer after him behind him he said al khilafu Sharr. division is evil division is evil we can disagree but we cannot be divided because that leads to evil Yes. Very true. Yes. Yes. This is such an important principle that we need to follow even in our relationships. Hmm? That there will be times when we will not see eye to eye with other people. We will not be on the same page. We will look at things one way. They will look at things their way. Right, I mean, Uthman ibn Affan, he's of the Khulafa' Rashidun, isn't he? He is of those people who was given the good news of paradise, wasn't he? And he is doing something, not to oppose the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but because of something that he understood. Now, whatever that was, he understood something. He was doing it out of good intention. Right? But other companions disagreed with him and they had a right to disagree with him. And sometimes it happens in your families, in your relationships that you disagree with other people. That doesn't necessarily mean that other people are doing what they're doing because they hate you and they dislike you and they have a problem with you. No. It's just because they look at things differently. Learn how to live with people despite disagreeing with them if you don't learn how to live with people while you differ with them you will face a lot of difficulty in your life you will suffer a lot of pain you will cause a lot of pain to yourself and to others you know when it comes to good relationships like for example between a husband and wife or between two friends there is a good relationship it's not because they don't have any differences no it's because they know how to manage their differences they know how to manage their differences there are marriage counselors marriage therapists who say that every couple has problems there are problems that are solvable and then there are problems that are not solvable you cannot solve them because over many years you know over different studies different experiments longitudinal studies they observe that Couples who differed about a certain issue, they had a particular problem, they were discussing it. 10 years later, they had the same exact problem. 20 years later, they had the same exact problem. Because those problems are what? Non-solvable. But then how come they're together? After 10 years, after 20 years, how? It's because they learned how to live with each other despite their differences. It's a very important principle in life. We cannot have other people as our exact copies. I like something, you should like the same thing. And if you don't like it, I hate you. Come on, you can't live like that. People are different. Everyone has their own nature, their own likings, their own preferences. And we can't change people. Right? If somebody has a habit of throwing their clothes on the floor, for example, many people have that habit. They had that habit when they were 5, when they were 3. They had that habit when they were 10, they were 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. It's like a lifelong habit. You just have to take the whole package. Right? You have to take the good with the bad. This is the thing with this world. You can't have everything perfect. You will never have the perfect friend or the perfect spouse or the perfect co-worker The perfect boss No You will always disagree with them Learn how to manage and deal with them And accept them With those disagreements And the way of the companions is beautiful khilafu I disagree But I will not divide Because that would be evil Anyway What this hadith also proves to us Regarding Salatul Taqseer Is that Shortening the prayer is not mandatory Shortening the prayer is not mandatory They're like, what do you mean? Because if it was mandatory Would Ibn Mas'ud pray behind رُثْمَانُ وَطُلَوْ For Raqqa? would he do that? No, he wouldn't And if he had to Then what would he do later? He would What would he do? He would repeat the prayer because he would consider that to be invalid. You understand? So what does this mean? This means that let's say you're traveling. Let's say you're in the plane. And you're supposed to shorten the prayer. And you started your dhuhr. And you went into auto mode, whatever, right? And what happened? You performed four rak'ah And when you finish your four rak'ah your dad says, what did you do? You were supposed to pray in 2. So then over there, what do you do? Are you going to repeat the prayer? How are you going to cancel two rakah? I mean how? You can't do that. So is your prayer valid? Yes, it's valid. You understand? Get it? If at home, you perform two rakah at home. It's dhuhr time, you prayed only two. And your dad says, what did you do? Over there, what are you going to do? You're going to perform two more. You understand? You're going to complete it. You're going to make up for it. But while traveling, if you perform the full prayer by mistake, is that a problem? Not a problem. Okay? Now let's say, you are with some people who say that you should not shorten the prayer. And there are people who believe that you should not shorten the prayer. Okay? For whatever reason. And they're performing the full prayer. Are you going to argue with them? No, 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 no. It's sunnah to shorten the prayer. You must shorten the prayer because the Prophet ﷺ did not perform the full prayer in any of his journeys. So you are opposing the sunnah. Are you going to argue with them? You're not going to argue with them. Okay? However, if they would like to have a discussion, they say that, oh, I heard you studied this in Bukhari, so what did you learn? Share some knowledge with us. Let's have a discussion. Are you going to have a good discussion with them? Can you have a discussion? Yes, you can. But are you going to criticize someone and attack someone and argue with them just because they're performing the full prayer? Are you going to do that? No, you're not going to do that all right because ibn mas'ud anhu did not do it when you study the hadith it really makes you a more tolerant person more tolerant and more open minded otherwise you become very rigid and fixed in your ways and you cannot accept differences anyway so from this hadith we learn that shortening the prayer is not wajib however it is sunnah muakkadah why because of the reasons that i mentioned to you before it's a concession that Allah has given. But if someone differs in their understanding, then do not make this a point of division. So she's mentioning the example of a particular individual who for some reason has to travel a lot. And they are always on the go. And which means that they would shorten their prayer all the time. But then they realize that this is a lifetime thing. I'm always traveling. And if I'm always shortening my prayer, when am I going to perform the full prayer? So they started performing their prayer in full. Now here... Here, are you going to argue with them? You're not going to argue with them. However, if somebody else who's in the same position decides to continue to shorten their prayers, are you going to criticize them? No, you're not going to criticize them either. Alright? I mean, a person has the choice because technically they're traveling. Even if they work as a pilot or as an air hostess or whatever. They're traveling, they're traveling. And they have this allowance and they can take it. If you think about it, why is this allowance given? Why is it given? Our deen is an easy deen. It's practical. And our Lord is a merciful Lord. And you know that when you're traveling, when you're not at home, things are different. Isn't it? Things are different. You know, when you're living out of a suitcase, right? When you have all your toiletries in a toiletry bag, right? When you have your laundry in a plastic bag, Right, and you're wearing the same pair of shoes for like 10 days, you know it gets uncomfortable. And when you're traveling, you're not in one place. You're constantly on the go. So shortening the prayer is a gift, is an allowance that Allah has given out of His mercy, so we should accept it happily.